Working out is just half the equation to living a healthy lifestyle. Nutrition is the other half. You should be a complete trainer. By mastering nutrition with the National Academy of Sports Medicine, you can become just that. As a certified nutrition coach, you'll be able to provide guidance to clients seeking to improve their body composition, athletic performance, and their health through carefully crafted nutrition programs that take age, culture, socioeconomic status, and more into account. Why wait? Start helping clients live their healthiest lives. Sign up for your nutrition certification today at nasm.org slash cnc or call 1-800-460-6276. We know that virtual coaching has become more competitive than ever. NASM's got you covered with our virtual coaching course. NASM's virtual coaching course provides a complete solution to help you translate your services into a successful virtual platform. This course will give you the tools to build and operate a sustainable virtual business model. The formats may be different, but you're still delivering fitness training and effective behavioral coaching. That doesn't change even if you can't be in the same physical space as your clients. The truth is, this is the way to reach more clients and expand your reach and impact. There's never been a better time to carve out your very own virtual space, and NASM is here to help. Welcome to NASM's Virtual Coaching. Hello and good day, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Random Fit Show. Powered by NASM, I am Ken Miller, and I am joined here by Miss Wendy Batts. How are you, Wendy? I am fantastic. How are you? Good. You look fantastic. Uh, looks oh, like it's a nice, bright, uh, sunny day outside there. It is a little chilly, but you know, uh, but it's the sun's out. Yeah. No, no clouds in the sky, so it's a good day. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take exactly. it. All right, so today on Random Fit, we're gonna talk about a little bit about fitness in fashion or fashion in fitness. So <laughs> I gotta say, you know, it's it's not my, fashion isn't my strong suit, so I'm gonna have to tee off of you when it comes to. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're in trouble. Comes, yeah. <laughs> well, you got the, you got that stylish camo thing going on there, so that's, that's good, and I just gotta, if it zips up and if I'm warm, I'm good with it, and. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, not a whole lot of color or pattern diversity on my end. But when it comes to fashion and fitness, the thing about, um, you know, when we talked about this earlier, when it comes to fashion, it's like what you're saying. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm wearing something that's comfortable, but um, and it's got to be functional. Uh, but when we look at fashion and how it's evolved over the decades, when I think about fashion and fitness, it's one of those things where you bring up uh, a, a certain item of clothing, you automatically go to that era, right? So when you think either a name or something like, if someone says biker shorts, what do you think of? Oh gosh, I mean, <laughs> a certain person or just event, I mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> but something jumps out at you, right? So when oh, you yeah. think bi biker shorts, you think, okay, I remember when, I remember back in the day when I used to, I don't know what made me put those things on, but everybody <laughs> else is doing it. So why not? That's right. That's right. I mean, it, you know what? It, I was excited about this because, you know, when we started talking about it, it was more not just about where where we started and where we are today. But at the end of the day, I mean, it, it's really more of like there's iconic people to me that like when you talk about certain people in the industry, it's like, you know what? They were the leader in fashion at that time, which when we right. start talking truly about the history of, you know, starting all the way back into, you know, like early 1900s. I mean, even there was, you know, there's someone we're going to talk about that was in 1980 or I'm sorry, 1894. Um, it's 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 amazing to see what people wore and got away with to where we are today, um, wearing it basically is, you know, everyday clothes, whether they go to the gym or not. <laughs> so. Right. Exactly. So when you go back to 1894 and you think about, you know, fitness and, and exercise, if you will, uh, you know, back in the day when it came to exercise, everything was I mean, it was about uh, bodybuilding a, a lot of times and it was about um you know when when we talk about bodybuilding you can't talk about bodybuilding without talking about eugene sandow and yes and the, the reason why he is so iconic when it comes to the the sport of bodybuilding is because of his symmetry and, and his physique and how proportional um his body was relative to the to the greeks and the romans and i know you'll get back we'll get back into that a little bit but when you think about okay what people considered to be ideal and what was perfect from a from a body standpoint um he was one who really shaped his body for the specific purpose of looking a specific way and uh, to your point um you take a an icon like like him and and you can't help but look, okay, well, what did a guy like that wear when he was exercising, right? So we talk again, fashion, he's gotta be one of the first ones to look at when it look, comes to, okay, what do you wear when you, when you do these things, when you're active like that? Oh, exactly. Well, you know, and again, to your point, you know, when we think of him, we think of him as, you know, kind of the Mr. Olympia, because again, that's the trophy. It's, it's the, you know, the send out trophy is what they receive today when you win Mr. Olympia, which is such a, an unbelievable thing. And that, that didn't even start till 1977. So again, you got to think we're talking 1894, you know, that time frame. And uh, did you know that he was actually like more of a model? And that's why he built his physique a very certain way, <laughs> built after the Romans as well as the, right. the Greeks and he was looking to be the the you know the uh, Grecian ideal if you will that's kind of what what he was kind of termed as and again did a ton of like unbelievable things and trying to get competition you know competition going and so I think uh, you know we, we can't we can't not start off without talking about him because again he we owe a lot of the bodybuilding um, you know the, the the physique and again making sure that everything um is proportional in size on each side so symmetry as you said um we, we definitely have to talk about that but i mean even if we go now to let's say like 1968 you know if we move from that and then i know we're taking kind of a, a huge jump but if we talked about every single year up until where we are we would be here for multiple hours um but you know yeah. one of the things that that kind of stood out to me was tommy smith and Tommy Smith yeah. was an Olympic athlete. 
And he was one of the very first people or the team, if you will, were the very first people that wore a track suit. And when you think about that, that was in 1968. And, you know, when you're thinking about that, you know, it became popular because of him. But, you know, if it doesn't seem like that long ago, but people still wear track suits today. You know, and right. that was like such the most like amazing time. Like, what is he wearing? And everyone was asking all these questions. And so, so to me, you know, when you think about track suits, you got to think about Tommy Smith. And uh, I know that you found some research on him. Uh, you know, he was a sprinter, right? Yeah, yeah. And back in the '68 Olympics, that's where he was the first to break the uh, the twenty second twenty second mark for the uh, for the two hundred. So. Even back then, I mean, he not just as a, as a, a fashion icon or even a trailblazer when it came to um, what people wore at the time that were, you know, athletically inclined. But he was, I mean, he was impressive because he was, uh, from what I understand, he was in two two Olympics um, as a sprinter. So as that goes, you know, with with uh, with track suits being the theme here, um, you know, that is one of the one of the uh, choices of apparel that's lasted over the decades. So you're getting from late 60s, 70s. And of course, um, when it comes to um, uh, music, especially hip hop rap music, you can't get away from thinking <laughs> track suits and run DMC, run DMC <laughs> LL Cool J, they all, you know, you throw on a Kango hat, uh, you're good to go. But hey, I mean, I know I've had my, my share of uh, track suits back in the day because you know of course you had to have the the top with the matching bottom and of oh, course absolutely. adidas was the uh it was the um the uh the, the maker of choice when it came to the tracksuit so well again when you have a song called my adidas you gotta you gotta <laughs> you gotta, you gotta go with the it. brand yeah yep. yeah so I, I know i couldn't run a, a, a 200 meter that fast but I could wear the But it makes suit. sense. I mean, when you think about that, you know, we still call them track suits today, but you think about it, you know, mm -hmm. their track suits are worn before, like, you know, we see them before at basketball games, you know, people are putting on quote their track mm -hmm. suit or their quote well, now what they're kind of termed more of a warm out or warm, warm up suit, yeah. but it's yeah. still like quote a track suit. And it became a track suit because it was first worn on a track. And so when you think of it that way, that name is still like carried on today. Like, Oh, I, you know, I mean, Granted, I don't call it a tracksuit anymore, but it, yeah. it technically is termed a tracksuit, even even if you go and buy one tomorrow. So <laughs> right, 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 right. So yeah, I mean, um, you, you can't, especially this time of year. I know that we're trying to keep this evergreen, but uh, you know, as we're getting into deeper into the winter, um, I mean, that's one of those things where it's got to be a part of your 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 uh, your repertoire when it comes to okay. If I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to be fashionable, or even just going out to the grocery store, um, something that's light and easy and still fashionable. Um, the the tracksuit is ever ever present. Um, and, and I mean that brings us too when you think about that was in '68, and if you think about even all the way up to the late, you know, uh, late '70s, people were still wearing tracksuits. They were changing the fabric mm -hmm. though, and I know mm -hmm. one of the popular fabrics in the in the late '70s was velour and of course you know like for me right. i was like well is velour the same thing as velvet which it's not and i don't i mean again that's how little <laughs> i know about fashion i'm like it's got to be the same thing but actually when people are talking about velour it's actually made of cotton you know and people actually right. wore i think about this going to the gym now doing a hit workout in a velour tracksuit made of cotton 
you know, I mean, that's a, that's a little much, but that, you know, that was kind no of way. the thing. Yeah. yeah. But that's what people <laughs> would wear at the gym right. in the late seventies. And, and again, it was just one of those carryovers and that, you know, when one person wears it and they, you know, they brand it and that is the thing to wear. Then of course everyone else follows suits, but suit because it's like, well, they want to be cool and they're going to the gym and you know what, if they're wearing it, I should wear it. And that's kind of, that's kind of yeah. still how, how it is today. That's so. fashion. Uh, yeah. So let, let's uh, kind of get back into the 70s now. And when you can't talk about exercise without or working out without talking about good old Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah. And when we talk about 60s and 70s, um, it wasn't so much about aerobics just yet, but a lot of exercise and a lot of gym workouts were based on bodybuilding. So you, So we talked about Mr. Eugene Sandow again, he's probably then again, and I missed that in the, in, in researching um, uh, early, early fitness fashion, you know, because I thought he was just, I thought he was a bodybuilder. I didn't realize that he was doing it for the purpose of being a model. A right? model so, for museums. Yep. And yeah, if you look yeah. him up, it's kind of crazy because when you look him up and you start reading about him, like most of his pictures, he's laying there in these crazy poses with a right. leaf over, over his business. And it's like, okay, I need something. What did he work out in? Cause I know he didn't work out in a leaf. <laughs> so um, yeah. And it's like, it's basically like a singlet is what he was wearing at the time mm -hmm. um, based on the pictures that I saw, but, right. uh, but good old Arnold. You want to tell us about what he was wearing? <laughs> well, I mean, there's not much to it because if you watched uh, Pumping Iron, I mean, mm -hmm. he's he's in a in a tank top and short cotton shorts, and as simple as you get, you get you get something you can move, you can squat, and you know he's he's you know infamous for the not just looking the way he did, but the the amount of strength that he had when he worked out, but. For all the for all the things that you you do as a bodybuilder, especially in that era in the 70s, um, it's as simple as you got. You know, you have your short, basically you're you're just cotton shorts and a spaghetti. Would that be considered a spaghetti, a spaghetti strap? strap? <laughs> <laughs> something something really thin. And right. I just remember when I first you know started getting interested in, in exercise. I mean, it was about the tank top. And tank top and shorts, that's that's what you got. And um, when you're when you're working out and you've got your workout partner, it's you know, there's there's no one to impress when you're when you're in the gym like that. I mean, your muscles spoke for themselves. So yeah. um, but you, so, you know, and it makes yeah. sense though, because if you think about like, you know, Arnold or Dave Draper, um, mm -hmm. and and you think about those guys, and again, we're talking now what uh, late mid to late seventies or so. I mean, mm. they were really focused so much on physique and making sure that everything yeah. was, I, you know, ideal, like again, symmetrical. And so when right. you had, had the little clothing on that, he, that they did, they were able to see, you know, how their muscles popped when they were doing different, different types of poses, as well as, you know, right. working out and lifting weights and stuff. Plus, I mean, I mean, to your point, you know, now you still see individuals, um, you know, females now, but I mean, at the time you still right now, I even see males working out in the muscle tank tops. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and again, I mean, it gives you a lot of freedom to move. I mean, it, you know, it's, it was functional then it's still functional now, but, but to your point they were still made of cotton and we've gotten away from that because I mean, again, when you're drenched, I mean, that gets mm -hmm. really smelly <laughs> first and foremost. And second yeah. of all, it yeah. gets heavy. <laughs> so. Right. 
I remember, and that's, you know, and I remember when I was first working, when I first got into the, uh, to the gym industry back in the early 90s, um, cotton was one of those things that, like, you got to wash it. You just got to wash it because <laughs> it just, it holds on to everything. I mean, I think we've all, those that, that work out in gyms and health clubs, we've all seen that guy that just, they wore, wear a shirt and you're like, I, I know you wore that the last time I saw you. So, yeah. So yeah. I can't let you know. I'm hoping that they, you know, laundry was an everyday thing, but but cotton is one of the things. It's just, I mean, it's good when it's cool and you know you want to feel nice and cozy. But when it comes to working out, the thinner the better, um, just because mm -hmm. you got to move. And and I'm one of those guys too that when I work out and I'm and I'm doing a total body routine, uh, less material because I just don't like how sleeves feel when it, you know you're doing overhead work or you're reaching and things just start moving around. So. Um, not for vanity's sake. It's more from a ease sure. and comfort of <laughs> ease and comfort of movement is what I'm looking for. You just for. want everyone to check you out. I know. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, I a big beanie, cover up my face, and just work out. Just work out. Well, I mean, and, and when you think about that, that was in the '70s. But if we even mm -hmm. take a step back, I mean, um, you know, we got we we can't not talk about spandex, um, or you know, yeah. so the 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 textile fabrication called lycra, if you will. But, um, you know, that was actually patented by DuPont in um, 1959. And they actually introduced the world to spandex worn by, again, a French Olympic team. And so it's amazing how when people are coming out with new fabrics or the new kind of the new, I don't want to call it a fad, but the new, you know, outfit of the year, outfit of the decade, whatever it yeah. is, or the material, something new that they would have it on such like a high level for everyone to see. Cause I mean, everyone watched the Olympics, of course. And so right. I found that that was really, you know, really kind of uh, amazing to find out a little bit more about spandex. And then of course that, that was in 59, but that fabric stayed around and it was the go-to fabric all the way up into the eighties. And so, you know, you want to think that's been a long time, but, you know, that's actually the same fabric that when you said that about bike shorts, I mean, I was going to say, well, because I've done research, I'm going to think it's spandex, <laughs> Yeah. you know, but it was everything from the spandex to, you know, the unitards. And it, it really became so popular that, you know, um, DuPont had a really hard time keeping up with the demand. And, you know, right. I mean, that's why, you know, and in all reality, that's why the unitard didn't really last that long. But, you know, um, spandex still remains the, the material mm -hmm. that is in most of the exercise clothing still. So, right. You know, now, yeah. And, and, you know, getting back to that, um, the French ski team of 68, I mean, you're, you're changing materials now to where it's not just about covering and, and what you wear during exercise. It was. It's now migrated more towards the the function. What's it going to take for me to function the best I can with the least, um, you know, least amount of, you know, feeling cumbersome uh, when it comes, especially with skiing, you know, aerodynamics and and all of those things that go into. Okay, what's it going to take for me to get from here to down there the fastest possible? So, the introduction of of um, you know that form fitting uniform as they were skiing uh was was it was a big shift and for that to to take place or to carry over into other activities like you're know, talking about aerobics and jane fonda and all of those things where now everything's 
everything's form fit instead of the loose and baggy or even like what we're talking about with with David Draper and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's not just minimal, you know, minimal material to maximize movement or freedom of movement. Now you're talking going the other way. Let's get it as close to the body and as form fitting as possible so that we're still covered, but we're not, you know, things aren't, you know, loose and draping um, as we as we move about. But when it comes to now looking at, okay, true athletics, that's where the, the, the change in material really affected, you know, what they did for their sport. But of course, now, as you mentioned, it's carrying over into what you started to wear for just exercise and movement in general. Well, and think about this too, you know, if you think, okay, 1959, DuPont says, okay, we're going to come out with this material. And if they do it on the ski team, think about, you know, at that time it was kind of, you know, evolutionary, if you will, because of, if you think about aerodynamics, you know, I mean, like to your point yeah. now they're, they don't have, you know, the excess material, you know, flapping in the wind, mm -hmm. they're trying to get low. They're trying to be as aerodynamic as possible to get down in the, in the, at the fastest time. So, so, I mean, I think that it was, it was very, uh, to me, I was like, that totally makes sense. And if you look at where, what skiers wear today, again, very tight clothing. Um, you know, I mean, they may have a jacket or something, but when, when they're skiing, they're, 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 clothes are tight plus it does keep them warm too so yeah yeah so it makes sense. That, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. the uh the quality or the the type of material also has now of course evolved to where now we can look at maintaining body temperature not just as subject to the snow um yeah. as the winter olympics would would put you in but but i'm yeah go ahead and I was going to say, you know, I mean, we keep talking about, you know, the ski teams and we keep talking about, you know, that it's still an everyday, um, you know, exercise and workout material. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one of the most amazing, you know, uh, men of all time, especially in our industry, um, you know, again, otherwise known as the godfather of modern fitness, we can't not talk about Jack LaLanne. Um, and he was actually known for wearing a bright red you know, all red spandex. So that same material unitard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was literally the first celebrity trainer that was out there. I mean, and, and you know, we could, I could talk about Jack Lane forever. I mean, you know, he literally was a household name, um, you know, all the way from, what was it from, I think it was 1951 to, you know, 1985, oh. he had his show yeah. and, you know, right. we, we actually own, you know, owe the, uh, you know, the green juice, if you will, and um, yeah, the juicer you know. <laughs> going, nice. Yeah, and some of the cable machines and everything like that. I mean, he really was an amazing, amazing man. So I know, like when we lost him in 2011, people were like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, I mean, that's how we got jumping jacks. I mean, we got the jumping jack from Jack Lane. So yeah, another yeah. another little fun fact that another uh, <laughs> little fun fact about Mr. Jack Lane. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's such a an icon in the fitness industry that you know one of um, the industry uh, conference organization's idea has a idea Jack LaLanne Award. So those that have affected the their community, um, the, their community, the fitness industry, um, to where now you have it for personal trainers, group exercise, program directors. So people, different people, are recognized for their contributions to the to the fitness industry in in uh, Jack LaLanne's name. So for all of the, and it's funny that when I looked up who won last year, I, I knew two of them personally. Uh, so Amy, Amy Thompson, who's now the 
vice president, I think, of, of IDEA, and then of Brian Nunez, who's a local Bay Area uh, facility owner, author. Um, but just to give you an idea of what it takes now to, to hold that Jack Lane name and support it and give um, honor to it as far as the fitness industry goes, and that's exactly what Jack Lane did for setting an example of how important it was to move and to keep moving and to keep, you know, keep the body um, vital when it comes to what we need to do to stay healthy. And I mean, and he showed it because he started off, a lot of people don't realize that Jack Lane just wasn't an exercise enthusiast. He was a bodybuilder to start, right? So if you saw his earlier pictures closer to the 1951 when his, uh, when he, when he first you know, hit the scene, you know, he was a bodybuilder and then, of course, started his TV show and was in everybody's living rooms now and showing people how to exercise. They're, they're laying on the ground, they're using their chairs, they're getting up, and he's just basically doing calisthenics. Nothing that was, you know, too, too, uh, too dependent on exercise equipment, which a lot of people have become dependent on, on exercise equipment as as we've discussed exercise equipment but he was just showing it doesn't take all that much and if you look at his videos and this is one of the things that got me started looking online and you know watching YouTube and what watching what he said there was nothing complicated about movement and what he's been able to show people that they can do at home so you know he's simple the red the red outfit the it's not it wouldn't be called a romper was it it's just a, no they a, called a, it a unitard a so unitard so that just that one piece spandex unitard <laughs> yeah and that's what he wore i mean earlier on it was in black and white so you really couldn't tell what color he was right. wearing but over time then when you know you had the the technicolor come come in then you know now you have a guy who's who's now iconic for what he wore with that red unitard. So yeah, Jack LaLanne, I mean, did you see those like when he would celebrate his birthday, he would he would tow uh rowboats, he would swim and tow oh yeah boats behind him. Handcuffed. Handcuffed. <laughs> That's what that guy um yeah I yeah. would never be able to do that. <laughs> no, no. I can barely you give me. I'm, just, you, I'm trying to swim from one side to the other and not die, let alone be handcuffed or with boats behind me. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So a truly, yeah, give, truly yeah. an iconic and amazing man, especially in our industry. So um, we we could not not bring him up because not just his fancy, his fancy outfits, but I mean, I, I, truly someone that uh, that we owe a lot of our our fitness. Um, I, I mean, even think about this because you know, he was bringing in so many exercises that people could do at home that really does mm -hmm. relate to what we do today, um, especially right. in our situation where people can't go to the gym. I mean, right. so, I mean, you got to think that started back in 1951. We're just actually just kind of making a little more modern day and, and have a lot more science behind why we do what we do. But, right. but, uh, but again, I, I know we could talk about him forever, but you know, if we have to think about what really came next, if we start thinking back again into 1970s, so again, we're still in the 70s, why don't you, because I, I know this was oh, like yeah. a jaw dropper to me, but why don't you tell us a little bit about the leotard? Um, <laughs> the leotard, well, never having owned my own leotard, just, just Whatever, to put that you out wear there, those but, every day. Well, <laughs> If it's a Friday or Saturday night, who knows? Who knows what my <laughs> who knows where who knows where the night might might take us? 
So, but when, when we talk about the leotard, the thing about the leotard is that it's actually named after somebody, right? So uh, is I think it's Jules or Julie, I, I can't remember how it's pronounced, but J-U-L-E. He's French and he's, so I was. Yeah, he's French, Jules. <laughs> oh, sorry, <laughs> my apologies to any of our <laughs> French listeners. Uh, Le- leotard. Uh, <laughs> That's why I, I had you do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Thanks, Wendy, for the handoff. Um, so again, here for my you. apologies <laughs> if I've offended anybody from our, our French uh, exercise community. Um, but you know, back in the day, you know, just to, to help with movement, this guy was an acrobat. So to help him do all the acrobatic moves that that he needed to do without um, impeding, you know materials or anything that's too thick, you know, uh, Julie Leotard, Julie Leotard, um, he designed this, this, this form tight fitting outfit so that he was able to, to do what he needed to do. But we bring that up because I mean, that, I mean, it started off as more as an acrobatic outfit or outfit designed for an acrobat such as himself. But now, as we got into the 70s, the leotard was one of those those fashion uh, iconic uh, outfits that you think 70s exercise, you think about the leotard. And, uh, and it was an acrobat, Julie Leotard, that was the one that started that, that well, outfit. It- and just to mention, again, I know that we're probably butchering the name, but this was a man. And so for yeah. me, of course, when I think leotard, I'm obviously going to go ahead and jump into like kind of the next the next area. But I think of aerobics. I think of jazzercise. I think that's mm-hmm. when it happened. And I think of the one and only Jane Fonda. And so I was like, well, she was the one that totally, you know, started wearing this outfit and that's when it became the big fad. But when I actually looked it up, I was like, wow, this was a man that was an acrobat that started, you know, that actually brought the leotard to the forefront and Jane Fonda took it and ran with it. And that was her, you know, everyday outfit, especially when she was, you know, doing all of her her at home videos. And, um, you know, so when you think about that, you're talking about, you know, the spandex tights and the leotards. And of course, you know, Jane Fonda also had the little fashion belt and, you know, she would wear, you know, like her leg warmers and in, you know, sometimes she would have the little wristbands and all that. And so, you know, like her, her big, you know, her big look at this point in time was the, the um, featured leotards, the oversized sweatshirts, the leg warmers, you know, but when you think of, when you think of that, or I think of a leotard, you have to think Jane Fonda. And, you know, when we were looking more information up about her, what I thought was awesome was when you look at how many videotapes she sold for people to do at home. So can back in the day, VHS tapes. Now, I know some of our listeners are probably like, what is that? It's the big box that (laughs) you put in a VCR and you played it and you could watch it over and over. But I mean, she sold over 17 million copies of her at home workout videos. And, you know, she really is truly accredited by popular, you know, making popular the concept of working out at home, but also working out for women in general, which again, I think is incredible because, you know, not saying that women didn't work out, but it was just like, it was actually more and more women wanted to work out. They wanted to look like her and they could do it at home. So they could still, you know, you know, tend to to the, the family and this, and their only, you know, their other obligations. And, um, so again, I, I, I really like her and, and what she brought um, because again, it, it 
wasn't just the bodybuilding and men. Now we're looking at, okay, we're bringing it in. And this is kind of the merge of men and women actually working out, trying to change their lifestyle and, and live a healthier life. Right. And, you know, you talk about and VHS tapes. I mean, you, you try. <laughs> so for our younger viewers, uh, VHS, it wasn't, you know, it was back in the day when it wasn't just, you know, point and click and then press play. You either bought it, like Wendy said, or you had to put the tape into the player and you press play and you have to rewind. And when you rewound, you had to watch everything if you're, or you stopped and you have to rewind. And, you know, and the phrase back in the day was be kind. Be kind, rewind. rewind. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yep. Oh. Right. But uh, so, yeah. yeah. The, uh, with, yeah, so she 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 did a lot for for like to your point. It's like you know she got a lot. It was beyond just okay lifting to get big or for for bodybuilding purposes, which was for for men and even sports at the time when it came to exercise. Uh, just to talk on that a little bit, um, a lot of athletes and and um, different sports they didn't like you lifting weights and working out because. They thought it made you too bulky and inflexible and less athletic, right? So that was one of the things about exercise. I know a little bit of a tangent, but when it came to um, the the females or the, the the women environment, when it came to exercise, yeah, Jane Fonda was one of those that, again, a, a lot of who Jack LaLanne spoke to was uh, just to to women in general, but Jack uh, Jane Fonda was there to actually show what it was to to be a healthy woman who and and the effects of exercise and of course when you're wearing uh when you're wearing that outfit that's nice and tight and form-fitting then you know you say if, if that's what she does and that's what she looks like then that's what i gotta do which is how a lot of people sell fitness it's basically how you look and and you know the uh, the leotard left nothing to hide as a lot of form-fitting clothes do <laughs> That's very true. That's very yeah. true. Yeah. So, but you know, you know, if we think about this, I mean, again, I could talk about Jane Fonda forever as well, because I mean, she's got, you know, yeah. books and videos and, you know, the yeah. stuff that she, she did for, for fitness. But, um, you know, if we, if we try to move on to some of the other, um, sports and, and related, uh, you know, changes in sports. I mean, you know, we, we cannot not talk about triathlons and, you know, right. and, you know, the first person, when I think about a triathlon, I think about is Mark Allen and, you know, he, he always wore his, you know, what do they call it? The singlet, you know, um, right. and they had shorts, but, you know, did you know that in 1977, so this is 43 years ago, that that's when they held the first Ironman race. So that's pretty crazy. Um, so when you think yeah. about that and the reason they held this race was there was a huge debate on, you know, who was the toughest swimmers, cyclists, as well as runners. And so right. when you think about that, you know, and you had to think about the different out, you know, quote outfits and the changes, um, obviously you want to minimize the amount of time that it takes to change mm -hmm. out of certain clothes and change your shoes and all that stuff. But, um, you know, that was, that actually was back in 1977. And so, um, you know, I didn't realize that they had been on, going on that long. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, especially you and I were at that age where as far as we can remember when it came to exercise, because 77, I was six or so years old. I mean, 
when it came to now starting to think about exercise, it had already been in existence. So it's one of those things that it, it, we could have said it started in 1950. We wouldn't know the difference because it just had been around for a while um, as far mm -hmm. as the ultimate endurance um, event. But uh, but yeah, when I when I've worked with um, with triathletes for for different reasons, whether it's reconditioning or or getting over some some aches and pains, it's it's one of those things where um, you know they always talk about the transitions, you know, oh, transition yeah. from out of the water and onto the bike and from the bike and onto onto the run. And if you're talking a full triathlon, I mean. And the level of competition, I mean, it's a matter of minutes, if not seconds, between you and the person that's behind you. So anything that you can do to minimize that transition time, which is where, you know, that that one piece that that one, it's it's thin enough that you can swim in it, right? And then it's light enough or has enough, uh, you know, the, enough of the right quality so that once you get out of the water and then onto the bike, that water isn't just sitting on you uh, mm -hmm. while you're riding the bike, but it's also got to be um, functional enough that now you can get off of the bike and run a full marathon. Uh, yeah, I just I still can't get past you know. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm with you. <laughs> you're gonna swim a couple miles. You're gonna run. A, you're gonna you're gonna bike a, a century, and then you're gonna run a marathon. It's like, how are you? <laughs> but yeah, anything know. you know, if that's what you got to wear for hours on end, I mean, it's got to be comfortable. Um, yeah. I mean, as comfortable as comfortable can be when you're when you're doing that. And so I'm sure um, the 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 right material to to make sure that it wicks or just kind of pulls moisture away from the body. Um, yeah, so for for the triathletes that I've had a chance to work, they say that uniform, that, that, that unitard is one of the most important investments that you can make on top of, okay, the bike that you have, you know, your bike right. and your shoes, and you know, that and a pair of goggles. But what you're gonna wear for, for the time it takes you to, to start and go through all three of the, those events, and finish um, the biggest, the most uh, effective piece of equipment you have is what you're going to wear. Well, yeah, and I mean, and again, you know, I found it fascinating that you know, first triathlon, or I'm sorry, Ironman was in '77, mm -hmm. and it wasn't even until like mid '80s before they even did the like kind of the one outfit fits all, if you will. Mm -hmm. So I mean, just think about right. this: they would get out of the water, they would completely change out of their swimsuit yeah. to put on, you know, to put on the next you know, whatever it is that they were going to wear. And then when they got off, you know, of the bike, then mm -hmm. they had to change out their bike shorts and their shirt and then now put on whatever they wanted to run in. And um, I mean, just the amount of time, like you said, in the transitions, I mean, if you look at the time, the scores then as they are now, you can see those transitions have made a significant impact on the time um, of, of people that are winning these things. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So thank you triathletes for, <laughs> showing us showing us what it is to to do whatever you're doing to the body i i i don't get it but uh, then again uh, i'm not i'm not built for uh i'm not built for a long enduring dude like i run a half marathon i feel like i'm gonna die <laughs> like i can't imagine doing everything before after and then doubling my half you know and being like oh yeah so great you know so that yeah that's um, that's true that is that is true i mean you're not you're but here's the thing wendy when you run a half marathon and I run a half marathon I'm pretty much <laughs> couch 
to half marathon. Me you know? too. <laughs> I got I can I can lumber. I can lumber. You know, you give me those 13 miles, I'll I'll lumber through it and I'll pay for it for the next week. But um anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but I, well, I'm you know what? I'm not wearing a leg guitar for that though. Another thing is is it brings us to our next topic that I was so like <laughs> kind of laughed about, but it is yeah. seriously a big thing was the leg warmers. And you know, the leg warmers were kind of the big thing around 1983-ish when flash dance mm -hmm. came out. But the reason before then that people wore them, it was mainly dancers. And the reason they wore them was to keep their legs from cramping. So maybe these triathlons or Ironmans should have worn some leg warmers too, you know, while they were running versus the, uh, well, now they have the compression socks, but maybe back in yeah. the day that could have helped them. Um, but you know, when, when you have to think about that, you know, and you think of flash dance, of course, everyone usually thinks about the iconic moves or whatever of Jessica Beals. And so, you know, she pretty much set the trend of these, you know, leg warmers as well as the, mm -hmm. you know, the, the leotards still. And, um, you know, so we can't, we cannot not mention the leg warmers. However, because we could be talking about this <laughs> forever. And I know that this is going to go way probably longer than it should we have to immediately go into the one and only, the one and only Richard Simmons. So you got good yeah. old Richard Simmons with his unforgettable hair, his outfits. I mean, and of course, oh man, sweating to the oldies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was in what, 1988. So short shorts, his muscle top, his crazy hair, his, you know, his, um, his headband, of course, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. we've got that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, but, did you ever in the eighties, did you ever own a pair of those uh, dove shorts or those, those short shorts with a, you know, the stripes slit? or the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, up uh, the side. No. So, you didn't. <laughs> the only okay. time I ever wore shorts like that was when I ran track and we had to wear the track shorts um, yeah. where I was still super uncomfortable in those. And I would kill to have that body, you know, now, but then I was like, I do not feel comfortable wearing this. Yeah. So yeah. for this man to get out there and have his high socks on and, you know, he's, you know, bringing it back. And of course, you know, 1988, that's still a long time ago, but to me, it still doesn't seem that long ago. And I know when we were talking and looking up Richard Simmons, I think you found that he's still doing the disco sweat. And I didn't even know he was still doing stuff. Well, he, well, that was. Uh, I guess it was 2002, right? 2002, yeah. So okay. from 88 into into the early 2000s. So, I mean, it's a good 14-year run. I mean, from, from a video standpoint, again, was it 2002? Were we DVDs at that time yet? Uh, anyway, so he he's again he he did a lot of home videos as well because as you talk about sweating to the oldies or disco sweat, those were a series of videos mm -hmm. for those for those uh, videos that he did. So he was still doing a lot um, back then. But now that I'm talking to you, Wendy, you know when you think about the 70s and the 80s, that period of time, you know that. 20 or so years um big changes a lot of a lot of, i mean a lot of, a lot of i mean very iconic when you think about it because when you think about um i mean we had um you know if you have theme parties right if you have a 70s oh, yeah. party an 80s party what do you think you're thinking disco but a lot of times you brought up flash dance i mean someone's gonna show up <laughs> in a unitard with leg warmers and a headband Right, and or the cut off gonna, sweatshirt, and they you know? cut off with a big neck, and I think Bright, oh, you know, yeah. Bright, Brighty Stratton, uh, she, her, and I, we kind of matched one, one seven. Was that the eighties? 
some 80s theme party for one of our Optima conferences a few years ago. Um, but that's that's the shirt that I, I didn't wear the unitard, but I wore the big <laughs> with a big neck and even think like um, like uh, movies um, of the time. Um, Valley Girl. You ever watch Valley Girl with um, uh, it escapes me. But anyway, if you're watching this, look up Valley Girl, the 80s version. It was remade and done up again. But when they worked out and even when they just walked in the mall, which is what you did a lot of in the 80s, right? Mall walking. You had, you know, you weren't exercising, but you had some kind of headband on or a version of a headband or you had some big baggy shirt. Mm-hmm. But when you think about the 70s and the 80s, I mean, those are some pretty impactful times. I mean, we're talking about, again, you said Jane Fonda, we're flash dance and I'm bringing up Valley Girl from a just a fashion every day on the street, you know, what you wear. And then we're talking about, you know, Richard Simmons in those shorts. I remember I had a pair, just one pair. I didn't wear that all often. But I had a pair that I would wear, you know, just down the way. I mean, they were so light and I mean, you, I mean, you were so free. I, grew, I, I was free. <laughs> and well, I also grew up in Southern California. So there, uh, you know, that's what says it. Yeah, 75 degrees, you know, 11 months out of the year. Is, yeah. Which is why you can wear that and the tank top. That's right. Well, and then you got to think too. I mean, when you go back and you start talking about people that were wearing the sweatshirts and that kind of stuff, you've got people like Cindy Lauper and Madonna and all these, you know, big popular singers too, mm-hmm. um, that were wearing that in their videos. And again, right. they weren't working out, but they were just, that was the thing. And so big hair, you know, cut off clothes and, and, uh, you know, they made quite, quite the fashion statement, but it actually started again with some of these movies. And if you're wearing it in movies and you're doing certain things and that's kind of what, like if you're a ballet dancer, you wanted to wear what the ballet people were doing that were the the icons of the time. And so, right. um, you know, again, these influencers really did kind of determine what, what was the right thing to wear depending on what they were doing, you know. Right. But, but again, we could talk about the 80s forever, but if we were, <laughs> you know, um, and another, you know, if we're still staying in the 80s, you know, just quickly, I, I want to, you know, say too, that that's kind of when we started to introduce fleece was in the late 80s. And I think Patagonia was the yep. first company that kind of introduced the outdoor wear more of the fleece. You know, it's still fleece is so common. I mean, I know I wear it because I'm always cold. Um, but you know, now yeah. there's a little bit more of the, what is it? The recycled polyester fibers and, you know, it's more mm-hmm. biodegradable and stuff like that. Again, you know, very earthy. Um, but, uh, but right. we have to, you know, think pretty much Patagonia for introducing that. Um, because again, you know, we see that in so many of the, the fabrics when in the winter, yep. especially in the winter type, you know, uh, yep. jackets and stuff, um, and sweatshirts. Um, but did you know that, um, you know, now if we're even into the 90s, so we think about, you know, um, 1994-ish time frame, and you think about hot exercise, it kind of brings you back into um, just the the bike shorts. I mean, that's when they really became the thing. But instead of the bike yeah. shorts and the and the fluffy tops and stuff, it was very fitted t- uh, tank tops, you know, and the bicycle mm-hmm. shorts, again, now they're looking more for yeah. the aerodynamic and working out and, you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. But that that's when, you know, you started actually looking at competition and they were getting fit for these particular events. And, um, you know, that, that didn't happen until 94. So. Yep. Yep. So you kind of saw in the nineties, a recycling of fashion from what we were seeing in the seventies. So things are starting to come back again, um, mm-hmm. as far as the form fittedness, as well as, you know, like what we talked about with Arnold, just simple, 
tank top and tank top and shorts, but now you saw the migration of materials and how they fit. So, so yeah, so form and function are just now it's, they're really converging as far as, okay, what do I need to, what do I need to get out of this athletic wear for me to feel good and comfortable, but also still have the freedom to move. Yeah. Well, and at, at that time frame too, instead of it being like the muscle t- tanks that were, like you said, still flowy, but you could see things, they became not only tight fitting, but they actually started to become more crop tops. So you started to see right. people's abs and they were showing off their bodies and their physiques and people were feeling more and more comfortable showing themselves off. Um, totally right. different from like the Jane Fonda days and the unitard where everything was like that. It's like, okay, now we're, we're thinking too, no more flowiness. Now it's going to be that, you know, this is what I have. Like, what do you think right. kind of thing? Um, you know, whether that's a, a, a should do or should not do, that's totally up to you. But at the time, that's when that became the new thing. Um, and then of course that would lead us into, you know, the early two thousands and we cannot not talk about Under Armour and what they did. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'll yeah. let you, you seeing how football was your thing. So, yeah, well, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, when you talk about a company like Under Armour, it's it's one of those like kind of real grassroots growth for them because they started off with young athletes, you know, from the high schools. And then as those high schoolers went into college and then from college, of course, into the pros, that's where the rep- reputation was starting to flourish into um, the performance side of things. And of course, when you have material like these, these materials that wick and take moisture away from your body and they and they do it really well, of course, now you have something that's going to be very utilitarian as far as, okay, not only does it look good, but I'm not, I don't have an hour's worth of sweat still sitting on me, <laughs> right? <clears throat> and then, of course, you know, so you have that moisture control um, uh, fabric that, you know, they, they've been able to do. And, of course, now you, you, have, you have materials, you know, whether it's, you know, Nike or Adidas or, or Reebok to wear, um, you know, moisture and uh, moisture control and, and wicking are a big part of it. But I'll say that, uh, you know, when it came to, um, in, in my experience, who did it first and best was was Under Armour. And of course, they were able to um, use that effectively when it came to performance tops, especially with football players, because now, you know, it's not just, you can't just wear that thick cotton or that cotton shirt underneath where it just holds on to all that. So I remember in high school, that's basically what we had. You had a t-shirt that you wore under your pads and then you would just have, you'd just be heavy and wet and cold depending on, depending on practice. But, you know, once you were able to have a, a material that took moisture away from you you don't feel as wet and and heavy at the end of practice um they were able to do that really really well and that's where you've seen them propagate especially over the last 10 10 plus years as far as performance goes oh yeah thank goodness for dry fit (laughs) yeah yeah they they did it well yeah Well, and again, when we're talking about early 2000s, of course, with me being me being the female here, I have to go ahead and start talking about the you know wonderful Lululemon. Oh yeah, um, yeah, they they kind of came into the market at that point, and and I'm probably going to say this right, but I think it's the gusset. Is that right or gusset? I'll say I'll say gusset. If you want to be, um, yeah, if you want to have a little flair to it, gusset. Uh, gusset would probably be more the American way of saying that. <laughs> you know, we've gone French, we've gone everywhere. French. So, however you want to say it, but you know, I mean, 
you know, now we were talking about everything now going tighter, like the biking shorts and, you know, things were, you know, really, really tight. Mm -hmm. And there, you know, as a female uh, specifically, um, you know, there was, there was things that you always had to be careful about when you wore things really tight. And I'm, I'm just going to term it the uh, female wedgie. And so with the introduction to this cassette or gusset or however you want to say it, they actually had this piece of like a triangle piece that actually went into their pants. And so it kept that female wedgie <laughs> from, from showing. And so, I mean, laughing. that was an extreme <laughs> breakthrough where you're like, heck yeah, like these pants are money. And so yeah. they are extremely expensive. So they are money for sure. However, um, they did serve, like, I think, I think they served the, the world a, you know, quite a service by coming up with that type of invention. But, um, you know, like, and what I mean by that too, is that, you know, they, they came out with the baggy, you know, yoga pants, um, the free flowing pants were the big thing with the, you know, of course, in the very beginning, they had the band at the top that was colorful. And then they had, you know, they could reverse the pants so you could change the color of, of the band and, you know, and more and more people were wearing those daily because I think of, of, of how comfortable they actually were and then how flattering they now were because of, of, you know, this, this new addition to these types of, of tight fitting clothing, especially in the pants. And so, um, you know, but you, you got to think they were functional. They allow, you know, they really came into the market more for yoga. And, mm -hmm. um, but I mean, we see where, you know, where we go from then, which was early two thousands to where they are today. Um, you know, we, we can talk about, now, when you think of Lulu, you're thinking, you know, the the capris. Well, the you know, they came out with capris then too for the workout, and that's, you know, that was like, oh wait, these aren't are they pants? Are they shorts? Uh, nope, they're right yeah. in the middle, so they're perfect. Yeah. You can wear them anytime, like you know. Um, so you know, they they came out with the flowy capris, and then you know, now when you look at what they have on the market. And kind of where we were going with this en entire podcast, it was more of like, look where we started, but now it's the athleisure wear. So this is stuff yeah. where people are wearing workout clothes, yoga pants, they term them yoga pants every mm -hmm. day, whether they're going to the grocery store, whether they're sitting yep. at home, whether they're going to the gym and, and that's actually okay. And so, I mean, you know, it just, they, they continue to grow in popularity and they come in so many different colors and, and, you know, just the fabric itself lasts a really long time, but because yeah. they're so comfortable and everyone just kind of lounges in them, that's, yeah. that's like people's everyday wear. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You'll see, I mean, you, you, you'll see people walking around in Lulu and it's like, did they just work out or are they going to a workout? It's like, no, they're just buying some apples and bananas and some milk at the grocery store. I have friends like this, this is athleisure. My wife, when I told her we were doing this topic, she's like, well, you know what? I've been athleisure since I was in high school, but you're not talking. So, <laughs> but you gotta be comfortable. And she likes to be comfortable apparently since high school. Um, right. But you know, with, with my friends who I, I own a pair, I have an outfit, a tracksuit by Lulu. Uh, the, one of the most comfortable outfits I have is by Lululemon. So, Mm -hmm. The price range is up there, but it is it was a, a really nice investment to make because you, you you can work out in it and you can wear it out and about or just, you know, if it's cool like today, you want to sit in front of the TV, drink a you know nice hot tea and read a book. You know, that's that's a great outfit to do it in. So but that's all I can say about Lulu. <laughs> well, Looks I mean, 
Yeah. As a female, again, you know, the casual wear that they have, I mean, they've come out with it. And again, we don't, we don't get anything from Lulu for saying this, but, you know, they, they really do a good job with their yeah. shirts that have, you know, built-in bras and, you know, they've got tanks and they've got sweatshirts and they've got all yeah. different types of things. And they try to keep you in the, you know, keep you in the, the trend, if you will, with colors and, and, you yeah. know, the different crops and long pants and, and joggers and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. but that's where we are today. And I am so grateful for where we are today because, again, I wouldn't want to walk around or work out in a leotard. I really wouldn't want to be in a onesie. I don't want to wear biking shorts right. out in public unless I'm actually going to go ride a bike. And I still really still don't right. do that. Um, so so this has been fun, kind of a trip down memory lane even before we were born, of yeah. where we started to where we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, you have those timestamps and nothing, nothing – identify as a decade or an era better than fashion. And when we talk about fashion, you also have to talk about, or when we talk about exercise, you also have to talk about fashion and what people wore at certain times. Because, I mean, there's things that we did talk about, the big baggy bodybuilding pants that they used to wear. The Zubas. The, 80s, the Zubas, yeah. And, you know, there's, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of stuff that we haven't talked about, but that's just how big fashion has been in in fitness and, and, and movement. So... Yeah, this has been fun. I, I like this topic. I mean, not a whole lot to contribute, but the history of exercise and fashion or movement and fitness as it relates to what people wear has just been a, a really interesting topic to uh, to research over the time. So, Wendy, thank you so much. I always love spending my time with you on, oh, these, on these podcasts. So, so for you guys that are listening out there, thank you so much for tuning in. And we hope you enjoyed this topic, uh, listening to it as much as we enjoyed talking about it. <laughs> but if you like what we're talking about, then you know, subscribe to, uh, to Random Fit. And we hope to see you next time. So take care, everybody. We'll see you, Wendy. Bye. Thank you.